que tiene 60 años, se casó con Asunción, que ahora tiene 24, hace un mes que se casó, y cuando ella le dijo... Hello, hello. Welcome to Freedom of Groovement. My name is Tam. Thank you for joining me this month on 1020 Radio. For this episode, we'll be looking at the music of Cuba. Compared to its size, Cuba has played a disproportionate role in influencing music around the world with its unique blend of cultures and rhythms, which uh, came about as a result of its colonial and then revolutionary history. The recognition of the influence of African music on Cuban music was long whitewashed by scholars and musicologists alike, and I'll get a bit more into that uh, later. For now, this track is... um, This track is by Rita Montaner. She was a Cuban singer, pianist, classically trained, and actress, so she was a a bit of a star. Um, She was well-known as well in Mexico City, Paris, Miami, and New York, and uh, she was one of Cuba's most popular artists between the late 20s and 50s. Thank you. 
This one underneath me right now is by Arsenio Rodriguez. He was a Cuban musician, composer, and he was a band leader as well. He was active in the 1940s and 1950s. He kind of established the conjunto format and contributed to the development of uh, Son Mortuno, which was later revived um, by Buena Vista Social Club. As I was mentioning earlier, the recognition of African influence in Cuban music uh, wasn't... um, you know, done straight away. At first, it was either wrongly attributed to Spanish influence, which itself was heavily influenced by African culture since the uh, 1500s, and it was or or, um, it was uh, dismissed by uh, testing um, that European influence was needed to make black music quote-unquote more palatable and accepted. And uh, the same went for uh, black artists. Um, Despite these... uh, this discrimination, Afro-Cuban music grew into an unstoppable global force and resulted in uh, many of the genres that people know and appreciate today, uh, which include mambo, rumba, cha-cha-cha, Afro-Cuban jazz, which we'll hear a bit of very soon, um, and many, many others, timba, songo, etc., etc. So um, they didn't let those setbacks sort of hold them back. And uh, some of these um, genres would become commercially known as uh, salsa music, and that's kind of how it was sold um, to the rest of the world. Uh, I've got a good quote about uh, salsa music in a second. But for now, enjoy this song by Orchestre Reve. It's called Seque Tu Sabes Que Yo Sé. Es un bicharacho, se está haciendo popular en todos los barrios.
I'm going to talk a fair amount in this show about African music's influences, and when I say African music, I mean folk, folkloric African music that would have been um, extensively known by the uh, black populations in uh, Cuba, because um, a large portions of slaves were brought to the island in order to trade sugar. Um, but the aspects of African music specifically that I want you to listen for for the rest of the show is sort of the ideas of emphasis over, on rhythm over melody and uh, the space to improvise in a preset pattern and then the call and response patterns in the vocals which are found all over all the different genres of uh, Cuban music. There's also specific rhythms that can be traced back to um, Yoruba traditions uh, from Nigeria, or that can be traced as well to uh, ritual music, which comes from a variety of religions. One of the main ones is the Santeria religion, which was imported, uh, or brought over, I should say, uh, from Africa by uh, slaves that were brought over by the colonialists. Um, another one of the rhythms is the clav, which is a rhythmic pattern which uh, serves as a sort of tool of the temporal organization of uh, Afro-Cuban music. And uh, once I play that pattern for you, I think you'll recognize it kind of everywhere. And it's very important to remember that that pattern really did originate in Africa originally, and then um, was mixed together in Cuba with uh, sort of uh, Spanish guitar um, to bring uh, first what was called the song Cubano, and then uh, all the other genres as well sprung from that. So that's kind of really the root of everything um, and also the root of a lot of music that we enjoy today, which includes uh, rock and roll, jazz music, house music, techno. A lot of these things uh, can find their roots And given everything that's happening in the world today, uh, I think it's very important to remember that. So uh, next we're going to have a song by Benny Moore, which is called Tratane Como Soy. Soy 
There was by Bollard and Yeve called Babalu. He was a singer, story storyteller, um, an actor, 
in the 1930s, he performed, he always got his start performing with uh, Rita Montanar, who I played at the um, top of the show. Before that, um, I had one track by Benny Murray, who was a very, very famous Cuban singer. He was a band leader and a songwriter, and um, he was also known as El Barbaro del Ritmo. Uh, he was sort of the first Mambo star outside of uh, Cuba in Mexico, where a lot of um, black artists especially would um, go because they were facing uh, less racial discrimination than they were back home. And he was a, a, a star in uh, Perez Prado's band. The next track is by Celia Cruz. <laughs> Celia Cruz, who was internationally known as the Queen of Salsa, or the Queen of Latin Music. Uh, this is because she was exiled after the Cuban Revolution in 1959, yet another reason why Cuban artists were forced away from their homes. Salsa, really that's a label that was given to music outside of Cuba. The benefit that it had was it was a common label for Son, Mambo, Cuatra, Guajira, Guaguanco, etc. So um, uh, it's people outside of Cuba could therefore recognize essentially Cuban music. Cuban legend Tito Puentes once said, uh, now they call it Salsa, later they may call it Stir Fry, but to me it will always be so uh, I didn't know that before I started researching this show, um, and uh, it's quite interesting to see that salsa is actually a marketing term. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll have to do something to as well. <laughs> 
This track is another legendary track in Cuba and around the world. It's called Tanga by Machito and his Afro-Cuban orchestra. And it's uh, one of the first jazz songs to be overtly based in the clave rhythm uh, from 1942. And I'm going to try and clap the clave rhythm for you guys a little bit now um, so you can get a feel for, for what that sounds like and you can listen out for it in the uh, rest of the music. Hopefully you could hear that. Just listen out. It's uh, three beats and then two, or then two beats and then three, five beats. Thank you. 
another Stone Cold classic. This is uh, Chano Ponzo on, oh, sorry, not Ponzo, Chano Pozo on uh, the uh, percussion. Uh, he joined Dizzy Gillespie's band, um, which uh, the more jazz a tune of you might have recognised on the trumpet in 1947, and he sort of served to revive um, Dizzy Gillespie's band, both popularity but also sort of creative um, output. Um, by introducing these Afro-Cuban rhythms. Um, Chano was interested in West African rhythms uh, from a young age because he was um, participated in a secret society called the Bacbos, um, the genre that Chani Pozo and Dizzy Gillespie pioneered in the 1940s uh, through this track and, and an actual whole album which I urge you to go listen to and became known as uh, Kuba. The 
this one, this cheeky number, is by Machito Isu Orchestra featuring Graciela on the vocals. I kind of picked this one out to just show, because um, it's got the live recording in the background, to show this was really the club music of the 1940s. You know, this is what young people were listening to in the clubs. Um, you know, drinking, dancing together, hooking up, having a good time. Um, genres that came from uh, Cuba were also uh, struck down by authorities in various countries for being uh, sort of uh, too hot to handle, basically, and um, attracting, quote-unquote, the wrong type of crowd. And, of course, the same accusations were leveled at jazz in America in the uh, 1920s and in other countries elsewhere. Um, so it's been really fascinating for me to dig through uh, all that history and um, I really recommend uh, you do the same as well, find out a bit more about Roomba. It's not sort of the boring stuff your grandparents listen to, it's like, you know, it's pretty hot stuff. version featuring the Congo player Mongo Santa Maria. The story goes that Chick Correo was meant to play piano in Mongo Santa Maria's band uh, in the Bronx and uh, when Correa couldn't uh, make it, uh, Herbie Hancock replaced him and then uh, sort of the rest is history. Um, this uh, three minute version was recorded in
complex rhythms that is uh, from uh, Afro-Cuban music. This one's called Mozambique, uh, and this one's by Pelo El Afrocan. Si marrón camina el monte sin ninguna confusión, 
Conoce todos los palos y hasta la vegetación Tata camina a las cuevas con magnífica intención Domina bien el envene porque el tata es Tata camina a los montes de manera sin igual Conoce toda la fauna, el cielo, el río y hasta el mar El Tata tiene una ganga muy bonita, muy especial Saca los pies y las manos, no la vayas a tocar Yo mismo soy negro sin marrón yo mismo soy negro libre de amor, sí señor. which is a Cuban band uh, founded by the pianist Chucho Valdez. Uh, the name is derived from the Yuburuba word for forest, and they were a um, very important band in Cuba. Um, they really innovated quite a lot, both in the area of Afro-Cuban jazz and then more in the area of Cuban popular dance music um, later on in their career in the 1980s. They sort of formed this bridge between the songo uh, music and then the uh, timba era which began in the early 1990s and I'm going to play a bit of that later on from groups like NG Labanda. <laughs> They have an extensive and very excellent discography. Um, they've got a CD that was reissued on Far Out Recordings from uh, 1980. They've got a few live CDs. Uh, one of them's at Ronnie Scott's over in London. They've also got a um, homage uh, album to Benny Murray, who we played a bit earlier. But yeah, they were just really innovative uh, in the um, Afro-Cuban uh, sort of musical style. This one is called El Tata, and the next one um, I'm going to play by Ida Kere is called Anguilly. Hey, 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 hey. 
definitely hear the funk influence on this one. <laughs> it's actually called Funk Up uh, by Mongo Santa Maria, who I've mentioned before. And I'm playing it really to mention something that I read um, from uh, Professor Phil Garland, who is the first female tenure professor of journalism at the Columbia School for Journalism. And she visited Cuba in 1997. And she argued that because Cubans could hear American music, um, they could hear it over the radio because uh, Cuba is only about 100 miles away from the Florida coast, but because they couldn't purchase it uh, owing to the trade embargoes and the sort of Cold War uh, going on between uh, Russia, Cuba and the United States, they remained free to cultivate a deeper appreciation of their own music without bending to the sort of cultural domination that has accompanied massive exportation of recorded music as a commercial commodity. In brief, they could hear it, they liked it, but they were not consumed by it. And I think that's a very interesting lens to sort of view Cuban music um, in general. Um, so definitely go check out uh, the writings of Phil Garland, that's Phil with a Y. Uh, really, she wrote a book called um, The Sound of Soul, which is also really good.
this track a good example of timba music which came about in the 1990s it's by Ladan Den it's called Torbellino di Amore <laughs> instrumentation, synthesizers, drum machines as we'll see, and um, as opposed to uh, salsa um, and um, sort of pure Afro-Cuban influenced um, genres of music, uh, this one also took inspiration from rock, jazz, funk, and Puerto Rican folk music. According to Vincenzo Perna, who wrote the book Timber, The Sound of the Cuban Crisis, Timber needs to be spoken of because of its musical, cultural, societal, and political reasons. It was extremely popular in Cuba. It was absolutely massive in the 1990s. Um, it was quite new sounding and original, and uh, uh, musicians were also very skilled. It incorporated um, both uh, sort of local traditions and then also the uh, Afro-Cuban culture. Uh, and um, the style of it really sought to bring light to the tension points within society and that's because in the 1990s Cuba was going through what's called its uh, special period which is a period of uh, very difficult times, economic hardship that followed the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. <laughs> Tough times lasted until roughly 1998 and resulted in the scarcity of medicine, oil, and other resources. mentioned uh, La Danden, the Charanga Habanera, which is playing under me right now, um, a guy they call Manolin El, Medi Medicino, the Sal El Medicino Salsa, the doctor of salsa. Uh, he retrained as a doctor, um, oh sorry, he was a doctor and retrained as a musician uh, after being hurt, uh, I think replacing someone at a club or somewhere. Um, I read somewhere that was quite interesting that the, obviously being a socialist country, everyone worked for the state, a communist country I should say, everyone worked for the state and so doctors were earning I think $30 a month and uh, Manolin when he was at the height of his fame was earning more like $60,000 um, and for that reason he kind of became this like uh, total folk hero um, through sort of his, I guess you would say, ostentatious wealth in a uh, 
very restricted, very tightly controlled um, communist society where people didn't really have very much, and that certainly contributed to his fame. I've also read places that compared his the mania sort of surrounding his his uh, his music um, to Beatlemania. Um, so the next one uh, is by Manolin. Uh, El Medico Salsa and it's called Somos Lo Que Hay but for now Charanga Habanera <laughs> Yeah. 
lo que hay Lo que se vende como pan caliente, nena Camina Somos amigos, somos hermanos, estamos unidos, somos cubanos, bien diferentes, fuertes como el sol ardiente, la sonrisa de la gente, pan nuestro de cada día, y nos colamos en sus casas, por la radio y por la tele, por la noche y por el día, con un mensaje de alegría. Interesante. Una música elegante que nos acusen de atrevidos, pero nunca de incapaces. Y yo soy, te llena tu cruz y gama, que te canta por las mañanas, que manda flores a tu ventana. Ese soy yo, que te quiere el que te hace happy, el que dibuja punta de lápiz, un lindo corazón en una carta de amor. Te llena tu cruz y grama, que te canta por las mañanas, que manda flores a tu ventana. Ese soy yo, que te quiere el que te hace happy, que dibuja punta de lápiz, un lindo corazón en una carta de amor. Ese soy yo.
el homenaje de NG La Banda para todos los barrios de La Habana, así que ya tú sabes que... that Manolin was actually one of their songwriters and then went on to have his successful solo career so I'm kind of playing them a bit out of order after this one by Juan Formel y Los Van Van Que se pasó, que se pasó Sentimiento 
muchas chances para ti, ya ves Y que ha tocado serla feliz, compadre No digas más que situación, que amor Si ya se sabe que eres un dolor Pero no digas que no, no tienes la razón Y tienes la ocasión de ser feliz Quieres engañar, no sé Si te conozco ya bastante bien, compadre Floreando aquí, floreando allá, lo sé Pero esa chica es la que es, lo sabes Pero no digas que no, no tienes la razón Y tienes la ocasión de ser
Tunkana, and um, this is off an album called Afrocubism, which is out on World Circuit. It's the same label uh, that put out the very, very famous Buena Vista Social Club album in 1997. And actually, the concept for this album, which is bringing together musicians from Mali and Cuba, was the original concept that uh, producer Nick Gold wanted to do in 1997 with Buena Vista Social Club. They weren't able to do that because the Cuban visas for the Malian musicians were delayed in the post. So instead, uh, they recorded the album with just the Cuban uh, artists. They enlisted Raikuda uh, to produce the album. Obviously, it's an absolutely global phenomen- phenomenon right at sort of the peak of uh, interest in world music in the sort of late 1990s. This album didn't come out until 2010, so it took over 10 years for them to see the original concept through, um, and it's really, really amazing. Um, it's also toured around the world uh, as a successful live show, and I'm going to play another one uh, after this. This one is sort of the beat of a Roomba, and then, as I said, a million guitar over it, just so good. Ah uh-huh. 
Dale al que no te dio. Dale al que no te dio. Dale al que no te dio. Daime Aroseda. It's called It's Not Gonna Be Forever out on Brownswood Recordings. Giles Peterson, therefore, had a hand in this one. I mean, 
when it comes to sort of music from all over the world when I said he sort of touched on it in some way but he's got a long-standing relationship uh, with Cuba and he's been over there uh, he was part of the initiative between uh, Havana uh, Club Rum um, and he's put out a bunch of music and stuff featuring Cuban artists so um, be sure to go check out uh, Brown's World Recordings for, for all sorts of Cuban stuff as I said this one's by Diana Rosena She's an incredible vocalist. Um, she's got a few albums out now, I think four or five. Um, but uh, yeah, they're all uh, universally excellent.
DJ Zhigwei. He's been around sort of from the start of DJ culture in Cuba. Um, he got involved with sound systems sort of in the 1990s. The first sound system in um, Cuba was uh, called One Love, and it belonged to the Muteliers, which were Cuban Rastafarian family who imitated the Jamaican tradition. Um, and uh, DJ Zhigwei was exposed to that um, when he was young, and then after that, uh, he wanted to sort of play music on sound systems. And originally, the way they did that, because they obviously couldn't get turntables, is they would they got a tape deck um, of some sailors that came through and they would play tapes and then sort of beat match by slowing and speeding up the tapes by putting their fingers actually in the, in the holes of the little cassette tapes and then after that um, they learned that by modulating the amount of power that was going to the tape deck they could actually slow it up and uh, slow it down and speed it up that way as well um, so you can say that DJ culture and uh, sound system and culture in Cuba has come a long way when you see the kind of uh, clubs and stuff that they have now but at the same time it hasn't gone that far um, access to CDJs and uh, electronic music production equipment is still um, extremely difficult um, this track playing underneath me now because we've swapped up is by a duo called Pausa it's a female duo, and they uh, were able to take advantage of a public resource um, which supports electronic music, which is called the National Electroacoustic Laboratory, which was founded way back in the late 70s by an avant-garde composer called Juan Blanco, who is sort of uh, globally one of the most renowned figures in electroacoustic um, music. And uh, it, it, the... Uh, National Acoustic Electroacoustic Laboratory um, has a DJ course specifically for women, so that's where pals cut their chops. Um, this track is called The Sun.
lack of access to DJ equipment and professional percussion, um, production equipment isn't the only thing hampering electronic music artists in Cuba today. The other thing that's hampering them is access to the internet, something that we take uh, quite often for granted, uh, probably in our home countries. What you need to do in Cuba to access the internet is go to a public hotspot with a prepaid card. Um, they do have sort of 3G uh, sort of rolling out currently, but it's extremely expensive, way above the uh, median salary uh, for the average person. So not really a feasible option. So you go to these public parks with your laptop and you can hook up uh, to the internet. Obviously, this makes a lot of sense for using Facebook or email or something that isn't uh, too uh, bandwidth heavy. But if you're trying to download gigabytes of music, uh, buy music from abroad, um, you know, that doing that would uh, be a lot more difficult if you had to do it in a public park. So what DJs do sometimes to try and access faster bandwidth is go sort of in the middle of the very early hours of the morning, between four and five in the morning, to try and be able to download the tracks that they want. Um, uh, and in a way it's holding uh, them back because they have access to less music, but uh, it also kind of fuels their creativity. Um, the other way they share music is with hard drives. Uh, there is an underground system of the internet which is called El Paquete. Uh, and what that is is basically a terabyte of TV, music and film which is delivered weekly to recipients across the island. Um, underground music is rising in popularity but it hasn't made it onto El Paquete yet. Next, we're going to be listening to a collaboration between the UK and Cuba from Sound Species.
from Sound Species and Ashi May. Uh, this was recorded before the Manana Festival in 2016, which was a bringing together of uh, Cuban and international artists and kind of, I think, a watershed moment in the development of electronic music in Cuba. Um, it hasn't been followed up as far as I know, um, but it, a lot of important collaborations came out of that festival. Um, uh, and. Uh, local um, artists were heavily involved in it which is good to see because sometimes you see international festivals or international artists mounting up festivals in uh, Cuba or Africa or um, you know uh, you know South America and not properly collaborating uh, with local artists so um, yeah go check out sort of music issued from that uh, festival I'm gonna play a bit of it after this one um, by a band called Ariwo
This is another band where Cuba isn't the only influence. Ariwo are a Cuban-Iranian four-piece band um, that are focused on the intersection between electronic and ancestral music. And um, they're also uh, Latin-based. Actually, Iraqueres' uh, percussionist, Hanny Valdez, um, is uh, the percussionist. Sierra Maestra is the lead trumpeter. Uh, Yelfris Valdez and... Oh, sorry. Um, the lead trumpeter of Sierra Maestra, Yelfis Valdez, and the godfather of London's Cuban scene, Oreste Noda. Um, and uh, Puya Esahe is uh, the composer from Iran. <laughs> Uh, exploration of a new country. Uh, I'm not sure where we'll go, uh, 